For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And before we get into today's episode, a preview of the San Francisco 49ers and Washington Commanders this Saturday out in the Bay. As always, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs with first to market odds and lines. Whether you're looking to place a bet on the NFL, bowl season in college football, with the college football playoff down the road, the NBA, NHL, you can find all your betting needs over at betonline.com. So head over there and use your mobile device. You get 50% off your first welcome deposit using our promo code BELIEVE50. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. Again, to get 50% off your first deposit over at BetOnline. So BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's jump into today's episode. A full preview of our first glimpse, obviously, this year of the San Francisco 49ers, a team that's playing hot. The NFC West has been clinched. It's in their hands. They are now led by Brock Purdy. It is not Trey Lance. It is not Jimmy G. It is Brock Purdy. Quote-unquote Mr. Irrelevant from this past year's draft. The last selection, the number two, number 262 selection in this year's draft. Deemed always every year the last pick of the draft is deemed Mr. Irrelevant, but he has not been irrelevant for this ball club. We're going to get into a full preview of what I expect their game plan again to be this week. It's been very similar the last few weeks, and in that offense that Kyle Shanahan runs, that is very, very quarterback-friendly. And if any offense in the NFL is quarterback-friendly, that allows it to be easy, everything is simplified for that offense, and the weapons that they have there, even though Debo Samuel will not be on the field this week for the Niners, it is in Kyle Shanahan's offensive system. So that is where I want to start today after I highlight a few guys for the commanders that earned Pro Bowl nods yesterday that was announced by the league. And the biggest thing for me this year is that Washington finally has gotten some recognition. Now the Pro Bowl doesn't mean everything. You ask everyone around the league, it's more so a popularity contest. It's not a ton of it isn't performance-based, unfortunately. They're not diving into tape. It's not metric-based. right? You're not looking into how many yards a guy at the corner spot has allowed. It's more so how many picks does he have? How many sacks does a guy have? How many touchdowns does he have if he's a receiver? How many rushing yards does he have if he's a running back? How many passing yards does he have if he's a quarterback? So a lot of the Pro Bowl stuff is a popularity contest, but I'm extremely excited that Terry McLaurin... John Allen, Tress Way, and Jeremy Reeves got a spot as the starter, as the special teamer on the NFC side of the ball. And really this year, there have been a couple more guys that could have gotten a nod. You look at Deron Payne, Cam Curl, Derek Forrest, 
I mean, sure, you could even tip your cap to a guy like Jahan Dotson. Brian Robinson been really, really good for this team this year. But for Jeremy Reeves, Terry McLaurin, John Allen, and Tressway, four leaders within this locker room. Extremely excited to see them out in Vegas at the new kind of revamped Pro Bowl games this year out in Vegas. There's no more Pro Bowl game where guys are going to be suited up in pads and helmets and playing a football game. Because we know over the years that's been kind of a joke. So this year it's going to be the Pro Bowl games, flag football going on in Vegas. And that's going to be fun to see those guys out there and enjoy their time out in Vegas. As we always know, Vegas is a great time. So just a quick highlight to those guys. So let's jump into the Niners offense. The team again playing hot. They did Washington a favor last week, taking care of the Seahawks on the road on Thursday Night Football. The week prior, they completely ran rough shot over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home, 35-7. The week prior to that, they beat the Dolphins, 33-17. And the week prior to that, they beat shut out the Saints, 13-0 at home, beat the Cardinals on the road by 28 on the road prior to that. And prior to that, they beat the Niners. Excuse me, they beat the Chargers at home by 6. This is a 49ers team that's as hot as any team in the NFL right now. Now, it's going to be different. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and anoint Brock Purdy as the next Joe Montana or Steve Young in the Bay. But where this team starts, a lot like with Washington, is on the defensive side of the ball. And this is the best defense in the league. We will get to them. But the front four, the sec, the, their linebackers is the best linebacking core in the league, and it may be by far. And then their guys in the secondary that all mesh together, led by defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans and his swarm mentality, and a guy that will get a, I'm sure, will get head coaching interviews and interest as we move into this offseason. But let's start on the offensive side of the ball with Brock Purdy. Again, a kid out of Iowa State, a rookie, and everything has been simplified for him this year within that offense. It's getting the ball out of his hands quick. And if this kind of sounds like I'm being repetitive, it's because it's what we saw with Daniel Jones last week. And the Giants found success with doing that. Three-step pitches, five-yard dig routes, five-yard comeback route here, get it out in the flat to Saquon Barkley. There's Saquon Barkley is Christian McCaffrey. He does everything for this offense. A guy that they acquired from Carolina in a trade earlier this season, he's been everything for that offense. Now, again, we will not see Debo Samuel this week, but Christian McCaffrey fills that slot because he's able to work out in space with his hands along with him taking 20-25 carries if you need him to in the run game behind guys like Trent Williams up front in the front five. Not our front five. That's going to scare anybody. I'll get to them in a second. But with Christian McCaffrey being able to get the ball out of Brock Purdy's hands, whether it's just swing passes out of the backfield or just turning it and handing it off to him, everything is very easy for Brock. He's made a couple nice throws here and there. I actually have a piece out on the draftnetwork.com kind of honing in on Brock's game, looking at his game against Tampa Bay and where he was able to really dissect that Tampa Bay defense and kind of looking structurally at what Shanahan likes to do with Purdy under center to make it easy for him. Because as a rookie in the league, you know everything is sped up in, from the college game. Being able to simplify it, making one or two reads here or there, simplifying the terminology and the playbook and the huddle, everything looks on par right now. Is on the tracks towards a, or a really made... John Lynch, general manager in San Francisco, kind of a tough decision because you drafted Trey Lance in the top five last year. Then you got a guy like Jimmy G who led you to a deep playoff run last year. These guys are still in the building. Then you got Brock Purdy coming in and having the success that he's had. Now you could say give it a ton of credit to the defense, of course, but he is playing 
really good football at the quarterback position because everything has been simplified. And I think for Washington, pressuring him as much as you can. Because you look at week 13 against the Giants, Washington was able to create pressure not just with four, but with five or six guys blitzing, right? We didn't see that a lot in week 15. Why? Because it was a lot of three-step pitches, getting the ball out quick. That is going to be the mantra again this week, which makes me seem makes it seem like, hey, if you don't want to send five or six, then sure, make them beat you with your arm. And if you want to send three and drop another guy into coverage, then do that. Force Brock Purdy to beat him, with, beat you guys with his arm. Because he will try to get Christian McCaffrey going. That is the way that they get their offense flowing. He fuses everything. You get him going, just like with the Giants the last two weeks that we've seen, Saquon gets going, everything opens up for that offense. Now, Brock Purdy's not as athletic as a Daniel Jones. If he can, if he has to run, he can, but he's not going to be looking to run. So kind of that RPO stuff is not going to be really heavily featured in that Niners offense. I'm not going to put Brock Purdy over the middle of the field trying to run and create it over linebackers and getting hit a ton of the time, kind of get him shell-shocked in the pocket. But pressuring him as much as you can and covering on the outside because, again, these wide receivers, they're not going to... It doesn't move the needle entirely crazy for me. All right, Brandon Ayuk is a really good talent. A, a really good talent. I mean, Debo Samuel's been their wide receiver one, but Brandon Ayuk for multiple years now has been looked upon as a kid that they've wanted to really develop. He's a first-rounder back in 2020. First two years of his career were kind of mediocre, but this year he's been he's been excellent in stepping up for Debo on the outside. He can work inside and come to the outside. So Kendall Fuller, if we see more of Danny Johnson, hopefully again we see Benjamin St. Juice. We need him on the outside this week over a guy like Brandon Ayuk who could go off for a big game. Because again, Brock Purdy's not a crazy needle mover when it comes to the offense. But he is able to read defenses, quick and decisive in the pocket, and he will pump targets out. If he sees a guy down the field open, he's going to hit him. He has the ability to do so, and he has shown that in the last two weeks and his last two starts. So Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk on the outside. He'll be slotted opposite of Jawan Jennings, the seventh rounder back in 2020. Their slot guy is Ray Ray McLeod. He's a guy that offers some value on special teams. Not a heavily featured weapon in the passing game, but a guy that they brought over from Pittsburgh that's more of a veteran and can step in and get you four or five catches if need be over the middle of the field. At tight end, George Kittle. One of the top tight ends in the league. Another guy we talk about with Taylor Heineke in the offense, how important it is if you're limited at the quarterback position, how important it is to have a dynamic athlete over the middle of the field, that 10 to 15-yard range to catch the ball, make guys miss, and and turn a 10-yard catch into 20 yards, a 20-yard catch into 25 yards, consistently falling forward. George Kittle is one of the top tight ends in football. There's no doubt in anyone's mind about that. And he's a leader in that locker room. And he'll be targeted heavily this week. So again, the middle of the defense, Derek Forrest rolling down in the box. It's going to be a big week for him, Bobby McCain, and Cam Curl as Washington likes to rotate those three safeties over the middle of the field. The Jamin Davises, the John Bostics covering in space. Jamin Davis is going to have a lot in his hands this week with George Kittle because he's going to be asked to do a lot obviously with clogging the run filling those A and B gaps of Christian McCaffrey then you got George Kittle over the middle of the field you got Brandon Ayuk on those crossers it's going to be a lot for the linebackers this week and I'm going to be really interested that first quarter and that second quarter how Washington adjusts to when Shanahan wants to pump George Kittle with targets to get Brock Purdy in rhythm in this ballgame up front Left tackle Trent Williams, obviously we know all about Trent, right? Spent multiple years, tons of years in Washington, 
nearly really a decade almost. Obviously, he's been in the Bay in the last few years. Still one of the top left tackles in the league, if not the best tackle in the league. He's an athletic freak. He'll be a Hall of Famer. Hopefully, you know, he may be in the Redskins ring of fame. The Commanders Ring of Fame, the Washington football team Ring of Fame, whatever you want to say, but he was a Redskin during his time in Washington. It was absolutely fantastic covering the blind side of whatever quarterback Washington had in town. He's still that dude in the NFL is Trent Williams at left tackle. So this week, all the edge guys, usually Montez Sweat will align outside the left tackle. I'm expecting him to work on the opposite side against Mike McGlinchey, who's been in the league for five years now out of Notre Dame. He is more, uh, as far as looking at where there's spots to get through this front five, is Mike McGlinchey at right tackle and Spencer Burford, a rookie out of UTSA, at right guard. So again, a rookie along the interior against Pro Bowl starter and John Allen and Deron Payne on a contract year. He's been absolutely fantastic. So that, that's where, you know, the interior again really comes into play. That right side of the offensive line, I think Washington will have some success. On the left side, obviously we talked about Trent left tackle. Left guard is Aaron Banks, a kid out of Notre Dame that they took on day two last year. Hasn't been great, but allows pressures here and there. And then again, at center will be Jake Brendel. Just an, an average name, an average guy. This So really, it's, it's headlined by Trent. McGlinchey's been good. On the right side, again, not as good as Trent. There's really not many guys, if any, in the NFL that are as good as Trent Williams. But attacking right guard, attacking left guard, attacking center and right tackle, I think Washington could get some pressure this week. They have dudes along the front four. Time to get after them. And I think, obviously, with Trent, you know, is he the same guy that he was three, four years ago? Probably. You know, he has been excellent every single time he steps in the football field. But throw unique looks at Trent Williams. You can't you can't just not put a pressure guy over him, right? You can't just allow him to help him protection on the inside. You're going to line a guy outside his right shoulder, or excuse me, his left shoulder. So throw Montez out there, throw Casey Tuhill, Obata, Smith-Williams. You want to activate Shaka Tony, allow him to get some juice on the outside and get him going. Throw some unique looks along that front five. You want to line with a five-man front and force them to throw the football from the onset of the game, not allowing Christian McCaffrey to get going. Test this front five. You got the bodies along the front four. Test this front five from the opening snap. And really, that right side. Jake Brendel center. Spencer Burford, right guard. Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. Test those guys from the opening snap. And do not make it easy on Brock Purdy, where he's able to sit back there for two, three seconds. He's getting the ball out of his hands quick. He's averaging under 2.3 seconds per time to release when he's not pressured. Get the ball out of his hands quick. On the outside, I don't want to see guys seven yards off the line of scrimmage, four or five yards max, be able to click downhill, make a play on the football, force him to beat you with his arm. And if he does, tip of the cap. Because that's what we see last week with Wink Martindale and the Giants forcing Taylor Heineke to beat the Giants with his arm. And if they did, tip of the cap. But he didn't, right? That's kind of what the theme was last week, pressuring Taylor Heineke. Now this week, on the flip side... Washington's defense getting after rookie Brock Purdy in this passing game. Make him feel you early. Get bodies around his feet. Get hands in his face. Force him off his spot in the pocket because he is a pocket passer. He can move a little bit, but he primarily wants to do his damage inside the pocket. So that is the offense for the 49ers. Now we'll switch to the defensive side of the ball. And this is where, folks, I would not be surprised 
We will see what Washington does at the quarterback position this week. All signs point towards Taylor Heineke starting this week. I think that is the best way to go. But we saw again the limitations against the Giants. But this week, if you do end up somehow, whatever happens, and Carson Wentz up ends up under center, this is going to be a tough week for either guy. I'm just putting it out there, ladies and gentlemen, because we don't know really what Ron Rivera has in his thought process as far as what he needs out of the quarterback position right now. We obviously knew what he needed coming into the year. He thought Carson Wentz was the better option than Taylor Heineke. And he looked like it for the first two weeks until he suffered the injury. Chase Foulier went out. A lot of things happened, right? We all understand that. But this week, Taylor Heineke starts. Need him to continuously, continually be an athlete under center. Nick Bosa is their guy off the edge. And he's not static in his alignments either. He's five tech outside the left tackle. He's five tech outside the right tackle. Doesn't matter where he starts. He's going to be moving. Every three or four plays or so, he's going to be moving. Charles Leno at left tackle. Cornelius Lucas at right tackle. Well, they want to swap in Sam Cosme and do that again at right tackle. All these guys. The entire front five this week. The interior's got Eric Armstead, Kevin Givens. This isn't a crazy depth group for the Niners. But Nick Bosa's got 15 sacks. He hasn't, he's got one the last two weeks combined. However, it only takes one or two, right, to really wreak havoc. We saw last week Washington wasn't able to stop Kayvon Thibodeau. Nick Bosa's better than Kayvon Thibodeau. So a huge test this week for that Washington front five to limit Nick off the edge. You cannot allow him to get going. We look back at the Detroit game and Washington allowed Aiden Hutchinson three sacks in the first half. That first game, Trayvon Walker, interception in that ball game. Kayvon Thibodeau, last week, strip sack. He was absolutely dominant. So really, the rookies and these really athletic edge threats, Washington's had trouble with this year. Nick Bosa ain't a rookie. This is a defensive player of the year candidate every single year. He's got 15 sacks this year. Tops leagues and pressures. He's everything for this 49ers front. So whether you want to chip and win the tight end, you want to have a running back on that side, there's going to be some different things that Washington's going to have to do to try to limit him. You're going to see a lot of making him rush twice. When I say that, you're going to have a, a tight end opposite, right alongside that line, right next to the left tackle or right tackle, wherever he is, motion across to wherever he is. That end's going to chip him, and then he's going to hit the, tight, the tackle. So make him rush twice. Make him beat the tight end, then make him beat the offensive tackle. So that's what I say this week when you're making a guy rush twice. When you have a guy like Nick Bosa on the edge, you're going to have to prepare for him or else it could be a long day for whomever is under center, but it's going to be Taylor Heineke most most likely for the majority of this ballgame, and we will see what happens because obviously we heard some rumblings this week as far as potentially Carson coming in and playing football because we know the limitations that Taylor Heineke has through the air and Washington. This is a huge game. You look around the back end of this NFC wildcard picture. The Giants got the Vikings. The Seahawks got the Chiefs. The Lions are at the Panthers. And the biggest thing, too, with that, Lions play the Panthers at 1 o'clock on Saturday. Giants play the Vikings 1 o'clock on Saturday. The Seahawks are in Kansas City, where it's expected to be zero or below zero, significantly, at 1 o'clock. So before Washington even kicks off at 4 o'clock Eastern, they're going to know the stance of where they are in the NFC playoff picture because while Lions win, boots, boots Washington out of the playoff picture and Lions jump into the seventh seed. 
They'd be eight and seven. They're seven and seven right now. Obviously, Washington is seven, six, and one. Giants, eight, five, and one. So this is a huge game again this week. All these rest of these three games are just massive in the playoff picture. And I would not be surprised if the Vikings beat the Giants, right? We're not going to be surprised if the Chiefs beat the Seahawks. And we won't be surprised if the Lions beat the Panthers. But Washington last week had a chance to take care of their business. They didn't. Now you're relying on other people again to lose ball games instead of taking care of your own business. Is this ball game winnable for Washington? 100%. It is. Because I like the weapons I have on offense. But this defense for San Francisco, as we get back on track here, has so many pieces that mesh together, headlined by Bosa, headlined by linebackers Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, which are the best linebacking tandem in the league that take away the entire middle of the field. Now, my biggest thing with that, they take everything away in the hashes. You look back at their passing chart against the Seahawks. Geno Smith, everything between the hashes, the middle of the field, was null. There was nothing there. Why? Because you got Warner and Greenlaw buzzing back and making plays in the middle of the field. But Washington doesn't use their tight ends. Logan Thomas, John Bates, Cole Turner have been completely irrelevant for the last month of the season. So really, I'm focused on the outside with McLaurin, Dotson, Curtis Samuel. That's where I think Washington can win this game and test these corners on the outside. You're going to have guys like Chavarius Ward, who they're bartered from Kansas City, that's been good this year, but I think it'd be taken advantage of a little bit in one-to-one opportunities if he wants to align a Clark Terry McLaurin, which I think he will. Opposite of him is Diamador Lenoir, fifth rounder in 2021 out of Oregon. That's played some slot. That's now on the outside for them. Jahan Dotson over him. I'm taking Jahan Dotson. They have good safeties. Tashawn Gibson is a guy that they borrowed from Chicago. Really physical at the roof. Talanoa Hafunga is a kid they drafted out of USC last year on day three. He's been a steal for them. Just a really athletic guy that can cover. Is not afraid to come down in the box. A lot like what Derek Forrest is. That's what Hufunga is at the roof of this defense for the 49ers. So every single level, you got guys to deal with. But I like Washington from a matchup perspective at the wide receivers versus corner spot. So when I look back to Taylor Heineke, it's really, it's hard because you're trying to measure up. I'm trying to get the ball out of my hands to counter the pass rush, but I also got to keep it in my hands a little bit to allow these guys to take some deep shots down the field. And really not just deep shots. And when I say deep shots, I'm even talking a 15 yard, you know, a 15 yard comeback, right? Press vertical, snap that route off and come back. Can Taylor Heineke make that throw? Let's see. Test these corners on the outside. We know the limitations again. Biggest thing with Taylor Heineke, the word of the day, every time we talk about Heineke, limitations. But if there are those limitations, then change it up. I'm sorry. You're playing for the playoffs. Desperate times call for desperate measures. I'm not a guy that's going to say, ah, he's a good story. We'll just keep riding him out. I'm trying to get in the playoffs. And if I got a guy in the center that's a sitting duck and when he throws the ball to the outside and you got playmakers like like Ward and like Kufanga on the outside that can make plays in the football and that ball's hanging up and you got Nick Bosa in your face or you're trying to throw over the middle of the field and Eric Armstead at six foot five's got his hands up and you don't see Dre Greenlaw in the middle of the field and there's an interception, you want to bring in Carson Wentz at six foot five and be able to see the defense and stretch the defense with his arm because we know he has the arm to do so, whether it's an accurate or, or not, I mean, we've seen the same thing with Taylor Heineke, and Wentz and Heineke don't compare as far as arm strength perspective. I want Washington to test these corners this week. You don't have McLaurin, Dotson, and Samuel just to look pretty, because really these last few weeks, Curtis Samuel's turned into a running back. He's getting five carries a game. Can we stop? 
can we feed Brian Robinson this week? That's going to be another huge thing this week. Obviously, with the uh, front four, that especially the interior, doesn't scare me a ton for this Niners defense. I like Washington's interior just as good as the Niners' interior is. So get Brian Robinson going. Get Antonio Gibson going. But continue to feed him. 12 attempts for 89 yards against the Giants is not enough. I talked about that in the recap on Monday. 12 attempts, 89 yards, almost 8 yards a pop, and you stop feeding him, especially in the goal line. You get in the red zone, Brian Robinson disappears. That can't happen this week, or you're going to lose 30 nothing. It's just, it cannot happen. This is the best defense in football. If the run game is going, continue to feed Brian Robinson. If that opens up play action, then do it. But the middle of the field is going to be very hard to target with Warner and Greenlaw on passing downs. Try to stay as much as you can outside the hashes, whether you got to get Taylor Heineke on that boot action to make throws even easier on the run. Guys breaking the inside, maybe running a quick whip route to the outside. You know, these seven to nine yard completions. A lot like, again, what Daniel Jones did and what Brock Purdy will do this week. Quick three-step pitches, six yards here, seven yards here, a shot play here, run it off three times in a row to Brian Robinson. Washington has to be unique in what they want to do this week because we know... D'Amico Ryans, again, defensive coordinator for the Niners, knows that Washington's offense starts with number eight in Brian Robinson, and they're going to force Taylor Heineke to beat them with his arm, even though Washington has a leg up from a wide-out versus corner perspective on the outside. So that is the San Francisco 49ers. Again, a massive matchup this week and a huge test for this Washington defense. Really their biggest test yet. The second, this is the best defense that they faced all year. But it, it, it excites me because usually Washington plays better to a challenge. We saw them travel into Monday night, into Philly on Monday night and take down that defense. But this defense is better than the Philly defense. So again, a huge test for Taylor Heineke. Huge test for Brian Robinson. Terry McLaurin, John Dotson have to be able to consistently separate on the outside. They're going to double Terry. They're going to bracket him with Hufunga over the top. So that opens up Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, Cam Sims, Deami Brown, who we've seen the last few weeks really just been kind of a go-ball guy. I want to see Deami over the middle field a little bit on those intermediate, those shallow routes. Some more screens if you have to this week. Get the ball in your guys' hands and don't wait until the second half to do so. I don't want to look up at halftime and see Terry McLaurin have a target. He needs to have four or five targets a quarter. That's Terry McLaurin in this offense. Yes, he should have... 13 to 15 targets a game. That's what the elite receivers in this league have. That's what he needs to have in this offense. If you're not being able to create down the field, get the ball in his hands in whatever way possible. If it is a screen, if it is a five-yard slant, if it is a goal ball, I don't care. Let your athletes be athletes and get the ball in your playmaker's hands. And that includes Brian Robinson. That includes Antonio Gibson. And that really does include guys like Logan Thomas, who you're going to need to be involved, especially as you move into the red zone. However many opportunities that they have this week. We know Washington has not been good in the red area. They have to put points on the board this week. Whether it's just three points with Joey Sly and him executing, or it's getting six. You have to score points this week, or it's, it's just not going to be pretty, folks. It's not. This is an elite defense, arguably the best defense in the NFL, and an offense that's clicking on all cylinders, simplifying what Brock Purdy's doing, and feeding it to Christian McCaffrey in the run game, in the passing game, targeting George Kittle over the middle field, getting off the field, allowing Nick Bosa to eat off the edge. The linebackers I've already mentioned are absolutely fantastic in Warner and Greenlaw. 
And then those back four, when headlined by Hufunga and Traverius Ward, they all just mesh. And they're playing really good ball, head coached by Kyle Shanahan, really, in my opinion, is the best team in the NFC right now. Not the Eagles. This is the best team right now, from what I've seen in this last month, month and a half, two months of football, the Niners look like the best team in the NFC. So, again, huge game. Saturday, 4 o'clock in the Bay. Washington Commanders 7-6-1 and one at the San Francisco 49ers at 10-4. and four. They've already wrapped up the NFC West. So, that's going to do it for today's episode. I always appreciate you guys tuning in. If you enjoyed, please leave a like, share, review, subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. If you don't follow me on Twitter already, you can shoot me a follow underscore Ryan Fowler. Again, all my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com. I will have a recap out for you guys of the game on Monday morning. Obviously, Saturday is Christmas Eve. Sunday is Christmas. There's three games of football on Sunday. Lots of basketball as well. Enjoy time, family. Have a happy and safe holiday. Look forward to speaking with you guys on Monday morning. And nothing would be sweeter than to head in on Christmas morning following a Washington victory over the 49ers on Saturday. So again, have a happy holiday. Have a Merry Christmas. Greatly appreciate it. I'm very thankful, for, obviously, for you guys during the holiday season for the community that we've built here with Commanding the Huddle. I always appreciate you guys' time. So again, I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. I will talk to you guys on Monday. This is Commanding the Huddle. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.